Hey everybody, how you doing? This is Coffee Chug, aka Aaron Maurer, aka the Bald Guy, and uh, we're here today. This is episode one hundred thirty-four. Um, this is part of the putting out the fire, the online PD uh, training that I've been doing for uh, some school districts that I support. And in this episode, I get to speak with uh, my good friend, Dr. Robert Dillon, as we explore just some ideas, concepts, strategies to help any of you, whether you are online, hybrid, or face-to-face, um, with self-care and scheduled routines and um, creating space, not just physically, but maybe mentally as, as well. So really excited for you to check out this uh, conversation I have with, with Dr. Robert Dillon. Um, great stuff as always. He's been a guest on the show before. And if you're interested in the PD, the challenges, how we're applying the learning, how this is just one part of a much bigger learning process for myself and for all the educators that I support, um, check the show notes. They'll take you to the link to the PD website and you can um, engage in the content there. All right, my friends, enjoy. Woke up at six o'clock in the morning, chilling with coffee mugs, me and coffee chugs, talking education all across the nation, pushing boundaries, thinking innovation. Aaron Mauer, outside the box thinker, here to teach each and every teacher how to tinker. Living on the edge of chaos, going insane. Listening to coffee chugs like Kathy for the boring. One of the top teachers in Iowa, word is born. Here to show the world that there's more here than corn. Chaos time so i have um someone who not only do i consider a friend i consider a mentor and someone that's been so supportive not just to me in my own learning journey but to so many schools and educators um all over the world literally and so um dr bob Dillon, i'm gonna have you introduce yourself here in just a second but before we get into who you are and then the content for those of you today as we get talking in this we're really thinking about um things that maybe aren't necessarily, you know, the check boxes of, of, of standards and assessments and these things, even though this conversation fits into this, we're really going to be looking at, you know, learning space design, um, structure, environments, taking care of ourselves, and, and how actually all that stuff does feed into good teaching and good learning. And so I'm kind of jumping the gun here a little bit, but uh, Bob, go ahead, have you introduce yourself and uh, who you are and uh, what you do. Yeah, we were just joking, Aaron. We're both coming to you live from our basements. Uh, I happen to be in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, I have been a school designer, principal, teacher over the last 25 years here, supporting public education and communities. Actually had a chance to do that in Iowa and a number of places as well. So it's always good to kind of virtually be back in the state of Iowa. So uh, that feels good. But um, yeah, a lot of my focus over the last few months has been to prepare uh, teachers for what is unpreparable, uh, but we're doing our best. And I think the cool part is we're starting to get to a point where uh, we're starting to see what is working in some places. We've been doing this for some weeks. So hopefully I can bring some of that to the table as well. Yeah. And, and maybe we, we can just start there with, with some examples, because I think that's always sometimes the best ways to get our, our, our brains going. And so I know just to set the stage, uh, you know, I originally came to you with this idea of like, like, like learning space design. As we were talking behind the stage, we also know it's, it's, it's so much more than that. But I think for a lot of us, we're working remotely. Our students are obviously remotely and maybe even a hybrid approach where they, they actually get the, the scheduling routine of school, but then they're also trying to figure out this, this other routine at home. And it's, it's, it's lots of new, it's routines. And so before we can even think about, I think about like engagement and the learning and, and the data, all the stuff that we're being pressured to try to figure out how to capture, like we have routines we got to figure out first before we can even make that stuff happen. And I just think it's like, 
it's a lot. It's a lot. And that's why everybody feels it's a lot. So what are some of the things that you are seeing um, so far, you know, with, with the people that you're working with and uh, supporting? Yeah, and I think you're right. Space and time are definitely what have been transformed. And uh, that's what we've always been able to hang our hats on. We knew we could go to a space. Here was our schedule. And then just throw all that up in the air uh, and then try to make all the things we were getting good at happen at the same time. But I think what I'm finding is that teachers that are and leaders that are not trying to smush old schedules and routines into this, that they're really building from the ground up, giving themselves some grace to experiment. Uh, I know that I've gone through eight different morning routines myself uh, to try to figure out, do I need to get up and run in the morning before? Do I need to have a cup of coffee before? Do, can I wait? When should I have breakfast? Like all of those little pieces um, influence even how we step into the day. And I think in a time and place where we have to really go over the top with the amount of positive energy we bring into a space. Um, that preparation for the day for ourselves uh, can be really important. And then what we learn from that, we can pass along to our students, right? If we can figure out a morning routine and talk into why it's working, uh, we can impress on our students the same thing. We have districts here that are starting at 7.15 in the morning, mm -hmm. and we have some that are starting at 10 in the morning. And I'm, the feedback I'm getting is certainly our high school, middle school kids that are being able to start later in the day. Um, I mean, I know the people on here may not have a choice around those, but we're seeing when those routines shifted, right? We just didn't wedge old into new, um, some better things are coming out of that. Yeah, and I think that's one of the, the things, it, it, it's a reoccurring theme that keeps popping up in a lot of these conversations is we do have an opportunity. And I'm saying that with the caveat and the asterisk that I know I can't put on the screen here that I know not everybody has all the permissions to do stuff. But as we think about the, the hybrid and we think about the virtual structures to the day, we do have some opportunities to rethink or reimagine not just how we teach and learn, but when we teach and learn, you know, I mean, and I know, I know that there's all sorts of caveats to that, but like, you know, letting a kid sleep in until nine or 10 o'clock on, on the online or, or hybrid days, because that's just the, the, the cycle of, of the adolescent brain and the body at that point, And then maybe not starting till later, um, you know, and what does that look like? And, you know, and also like the hard part with that too, is, is as I'm talking out loud here is our, our brain cycles and sleep cycles are different as adults. And I think that's what makes it hard. Cause like, I like to get up early. I'm a 4 a.m. riser and I'm a coffee. My routine is crazy. It's insane but I'm also crashing hard. Like I'm not up till all hours of the night. My kids, you know, I'm trusting that they're going to bed at 10 o'clock when we tell them to, because I can't stay up that late anymore, but they're, they can't, they, the brains can't calm down at that point. Um, yeah. You know, Dan, Dan Pink, that book, when, right. It's such an important piece of right now. Uh, if you haven't read Daniel Pink's book, when really talks about the research about when we should be learning It talks about the difference between an owl and a lark and it's those when those cycles are. And I know my worst time of the day is between two and four. That's not when I'm doing my most creative work. So knowing that about yourself. Uh, another structure we're seeing that's really working for teachers is this uh, kind of gradual release model during a virtual call. Um, so yes, we're gathering. We're doing some social emotional connections, some community building, which takes longer in a virtual space. We know that. Uh, and we're seeing that. Um, and then they're starting to say like, okay, there's a group of students that have shown that they can take care of their own business. They're independent workers. They know what they're supposed to do. That group can peel off the virtual call. 
Now say, instead of having 25 students on the call, you got 10, mm -hmm. right? And now for the next chunk of time, you can teach that 10. And then maybe there's a point in time where you peel off another five and right, you're down to that tier three group of kids. So I'm seeing some teachers say, you know what? This virtual model is actually allowing me to reach all three tiers of my learners in my classroom because I'm using that time different for every kid. Uh, and so that structure has been interesting for a number of teachers. Now, every subject, we know every time we bring up a thing, every subject, every grade level doesn't work. But the idea that you could peel off a group of kids, peel off another group of kids over the course of a 90-minute session uh, could really get you to personalize some teaching and learning. I like that. I mean, it almost, you know, as you're talking, it reminds me of like a, a, a virtual template to like what we think of like blended learning with like learning stations you know when you have your kids rotate through and this and that and you're doing it in a virtual way and it reminds me of my wife's eighth grade algebra teacher and one of the things that they find yes we know they they love selfies and they're on social media but one of the things they really didn't like back in the spring which i don't think was necessarily virtual teaching i've been calling it emergency teaching like we're right. just like, how do we survive so i think it's just it's different than now even though i know there's some parallels but None of the kids ever wanted to be engaged on a whole class call. They didn't want their cameras on. And it, it was driving not just my wife, but a lot of teachers crazy. Like, especially middle school, we know they do this all day long, right? They're, you know, and so one of the strategies that uh, they went to is my, my wife and, and the co-teacher, they created a, a sign-up genius. Because they asked their kids, like, why are you not engaging? Like, in, in class, I had you, like, I couldn't, you were all over the place. And <laughs> they really liked the small group. And so what they were doing is it took a little bit more time, but I think in the long run, it saved time and energy. Kids would sign up for these small groups of four to six, um, sometimes 10. And the kids got to pick who they were coming into these calls with. And they were doing small check-ins, you know? And sometimes it was just social emotional. How you doing? How's your week? No content related. Other times it was like, hey, you know, this group here, we really need to go over, you know, the, the latest assessment or conversation and they found a huge success um, compared to trying to bring everybody in and I think that's one of the things too that we have an opportunity to kind of rethink normally in a school day the bell rings the 30 kids heard to the next room they plop down and even though teachers do some magic within there the bell rings and those 30 shuffle out and a new one comes in and that doesn't always translate well to the online world yeah and it's yeah we can't keep squeezing time and space from a physical presence to a virtual presence. It just doesn't fit. It's square peg round hole stuff. And, you know, I know it's tiresome to rebuild some of these structures, but I think when we do, man, we're seeing some real benefits from there. And I think that, you know, whether that's teacher wellness about like taking care of your morning routine or how you bring your energy to a space, or it's this thing about like, how do I reach all my kids? Because we do know that people don't have cameras on and people don't want to do that. I, I'm a, I'm a great example. Like you get me in a room with a bunch of people and I light up. I want to be a part of the conversation. You get me in a space where I'm on a Brady Bunch screen. I'm the guy that sits in the background. I got nothing. I get, you know, I, I don't like to play in that space. And I know I get it when kids don't want to do that. And so we do have to find other ways for them to connect. And one of the key pieces about time though, is that if you have this super fluid structure, it's still important that everyone comes back together at the end. Uh, to talk about their learning, to share their learning, to do some metacognitive work, to reflect, and to make sure that people aren't headed off uh, into asynchronous time with um, mental mistakes in their head, 
because uh, when you'd only see kids a certain number of days, the last thing you want them to do is learn a skill and then practice it wrong for a number of days. And so we got to make sure we're in front of that as well. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, I think that's, that's a really good point um, to make sure we kind of bring that back. You know, and I think as, as we think about um, there's another session in this PD with Michelle Eaton, and, and she talked about the question of, you know, what is your most important role as an educator? And that role there is where you spend the bulk of your lifetime together, you know? And so I think bringing those people back, because that is one of our roles to make sure that kids are on a good, solid foundation to move forth. In this case, to do a lot of work and, and ideas and thinking on their own that we don't have control over, like, like maybe we used to, you know, with our four cylinder walls and, and the whole day in a school. Um, you know, the last thing on time, um, and then we can maybe move on to, to, to some other ideas here quick while we've got some time is, you know, we talked at the beginning how to start our day, our morning routine. But one of the things that I'm seeing happening I, um, with my own children, uh, my wife, myself, and the voice of a lot of teachers is the, the, the evening routine, how to turn off. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really hard. And so I'm curious if, if you've got insights or ideas or examples, because I think one of the hardest things that teachers are doing now is they're working harder than ever before. They're trying to find ways to build relations. So that is, you find yourself checking your phone or your device at all hours of the day when you need a break. Um, because if they email, you want to be able to respond, let them know that you care about them. I mean, these, the, the people are doing it for all the right reasons. The downside is they're not ever getting away from the work. And they're, I worry, I'm going to say burnout. I know that word is getting used a lot lately, but I, I just don't know that it's sustainable. And I think it's because their heart's in the right place, but the system has to be better. Like you have to get away from it. This is a long year. And I feel a lot of people are, have that, that brain fatigue that hits about third quarter, especially here in the Midwest when the weather is just terrible. Yeah. We've got cabin fever. The kids are down. The shortest month is the longest month. It's usually February, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 So I just, I'm just curious, what, what are your thoughts on that or ideas that people are finding the work or just anything on, on that line? Yeah, so there's two or three things that I'm hearing from some teachers. One, uh, people are just kind of saying that they need 90 minutes before bedtime, whatever that is for you, right? to not re-engage with a new problem, not to activate your brain. Uh, and so uh, we also know, and I've just been listening to a podcast, the other thing about uh, restful sleep coming with, we know we have a screen in front of us within 90 minutes. There's some people wearing uh, more blue blocking glasses or you know, doing those sorts of things. Uh, Aaron's got his right there. Um, and so even those two things of saying, hey, in the last 90 minutes, or even saying to your parents, hey, if you send me something after eight o'clock, um, and I think you have to say those things out loud, right? Like even if you're holding yourself accountable by saying them out loud, uh, doesn't mean you can't break them, but at least if you have the limit, uh, no one's expecting anything after a certain amount of time. And then the other thing is I think we do have to find, uh, some moments in the day where we, um, and that we break free and that's not 10 minutes, right? That's an, a little bit longer chunk of time, um, half an hour half an hour is a good one. Like it's like, like almost like a academic nap, right? Like you can go and watch something else, but like, don't get to uh, turn your notifications off. That's another thing, right? Like uh, I got, I left mine on the other day and I just didn't realize how just like my, I just reactionary to it. And so that's another piece, but I think we have to pick times during the day to recharge and then really set a hard end at the end of the day. Um, and I know everyone's different, right? But like, that's working for some people. Yeah, and I think, 
you know, these, these, these are ideas that, that are simple in premise. And I think for anybody listening that's struggling with it, and I found myself as my workload has increased this week, I've, I've, I was really good up till this week, and I've really just kind of fallen off. It's like, but they're simple, but they work. And this isn't, you know, you don't have to buy anything. You don't have to go get a, do a book study on this. This is building routines and structures and, and holding yourself accountable. Having an accountability partner, whether that's a, a spouse, a friend, a colleague, where maybe you're just checking in like, hey, you know, hey, buddy, it's, it's eight o'clock. I'm done. You need to be done. Like, and just finding those little ways, you know, to make those things work, I think is it, so vital. Yeah, I have a fitness group, right? Like a group of guys that we just report in. Hey, I went and ran. Hey, I didn't get anything done today. Uh, that level of accountability is good. And you can do that for whatever. If that's fitness or food or breaks, right? Like, hey, I took a break. You could have a break accountability group. And, you know, I'm one of those people, if it's not on my calendar, it's not happening. So you got to put calendars on, you got to put it on the calendar and just say, hey, here's a 30 minute academic break. I'm breaking away and whatever I, for me, sometimes that's walking around the neighborhood. If I can just get out of my house, that's the break I need. So yeah, it comes two. back to just a, a, another word that that's kind of like another theme through all this is it's the idea of permission. You know, when we've been in the school building, maybe we didn't feel that we had the, I'm going to call it the permission to take an academic nap or a break to get away. Um, yep. you know, we found ways to do that, whether it's walk to the teacher's lounge, uh, you know, grab a Pepsi or a water, you know, whatever it might be. Um, but now we have, we're in these environments where you can do that. And I think sometimes it's hard to feel like, oh, am I, you know, am I, am I doing something wrong? Yep. You're not, it's, it's, it's vital to your well-being and the work because now work looks and feels different. It's moving in a different orb than, you know, we've been regimented by, by, by our bells and now we don't have that. Even as adults, we're struggling with that. Yeah, you used the term, you said move a second ago. And I think that's another piece is that we can do a better job of moving throughout the day. Uh, that reoxygenates our brain, that changes our mental state. Uh, and that doesn't have to mean you go walk around the neighborhood. You can just stand more often, right? Like uh, my standing desk has been really good to me. Uh, but I also know that like, I like sitting on the front porch and like, I like getting fresh air. And if, sometimes it's like sit next to a window where there's natural light and sit, you know, if you can get some fresh air in the house, it's starting to be that time in the fall, right? We've got some windows open. Um, all of that is really, really good for us. It builds endurance. Uh, and so when we're thinking about the spaces that we work, I hope you have multiple spaces. I hope you have spaces that allow you to stand and that you get some natural light and some fresh air uh, at times. And uh, I know we're all playing the dance of having multiple people in our house working all over the place. Uh, but uh, I would just, I think teachers that are getting this aren't going to the same location and sitting there for eight hours a day. They're going to two or three places in their house. They're moving around. They're, uh, you know, taking care of those breaks, but also just while you're working, put yourself in different states. Yeah. No, I think, I think that that's huge. I think it, it changes the, the brain and the, and the function and that type of stuff. And, you know, I think not just for teachers, but I'll think about even like my own children, you know, and, and with that too, is I think to be, be careful that your work doesn't invade some of your spaces that are really important, I think, for, for peace and quiet reflection. So what I mean by that is like uh, my, my middle school daughter, she was starting off uh, the school year she was just trying to figure out routines and she was having trouble sleeping at night and like all middle school kids i mean she just the brain's a, a mess yeah. at that age but what she was doing is she was laying in her bed all day doing work and uh, I was yeah. telling her, you know it, it's no different than if i were to lay in bed at night and have my tv on and wonder why i can't go to sleep like you have to train the body and mind that 
the TV now that I never have the TV on. Like when I walk in and I go to bed, I lay down, like the body goes, it's, it's sleep. Like we know what's going on here. Like it's, it's a routine. So I think why it's good to have a lot of spaces. It's also important that it's not impacting areas. you got to have a certain spot for me. It's, it's like the kitchen. When I walk into the kitchen, there's no work. It's, it's, it's food, it's family, it's gathering. I don't want a laptop in there. I don't want my nice. screen. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I think it's also having a couple of those dedicated spaces where work never happens. So the brain, you know, the, I call them like invisible walls. Like I walk in, I go, okay, now I know, you know, um, it's apple cider donut time and, and, and hot chocolate, not talking pedagogy, you know? Right. <laughs> See, I, I'm lucky. I don't have a, I don't have an educator wife. And so I don't have to do school yeah. four hours a day. So uh, that, that, that helps me. But I, I think, all of these little things add up. And I think that that's the thing is that if this is a marathon and we are gonna make it through the year that I know these sound little, but it's connecting all of these links to the chain uh, that'll make you strong. Uh, and I think that's, a, that's an important piece as well. And uh, you know, wherever you can find a third space, uh, right now, all of your spaces are in one place. And so wherever that is for people, they're safely at a park, uh, they're safely down the street, whatever that is. Um, I think we have to find that third place uh, for ourselves to stay whole as well. Yeah. So as, 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 as we kind of, you know, wrap this up, I think we've given people lots of, of food for thoughts and hopefully they're thinking about, you know, what are some subtle adjustments I can do that, you know, for a lot of people, they, just, none of this requires more time actually is making some of these changes to actually maybe hopefully buy back some time and, and, and some of your energy. But I know that you've, you've also created some, some resources or some one pages that you've been working with districts and schools. And so um, obviously for those that are in the PD, we're, you're going to have access to this to take a look at it and all that good stuff and in the show notes and all that. But can you, can you talk about some of those and just some of the topics? Because I think, you know, as we've talked about space and structure, this is just, you know, the, the, the tip of the iceberg of, of all the other things that we're trying to gel together to create some cohesiveness in our sanity our energy and you know more important taking care of ourselves while we're also trying to take care of students yeah so really have found so many folks saying you know i just need strategies on engagement you know i i you know at some point in time the the bob show runs out on zoom a lot faster than it does in a classroom what else can i do how else can i do this because even the best ideas after two or three weeks and kids are getting those seven hours a day, they get old. So I have some stuff on engagement that I'm going to share. And then also about community building. And I mentioned uh, in passing earlier that, you know, the research is now telling us in a virtual environment, it takes about three to four times as long to build the same type of community. And so um, being intentional about community building over a longer period of time, uh, it has to be our reality. Uh, and I know that that's the hardest part. We've got these kids in front of us that we've never met before. Uh, we don't know them other than their virtual background or their background. And we're trying to connect with them in deep ways. And uh, the research also tells us, and this is the last interesting piece here, is that in virtual environments, the first connection actually goes from the student to the teacher. In a physical environment, the teacher makes the connection with the kid. So it's really important that we double down on telling our story, talking about who we are as people, hobbies and interests and likes and strengths and all those things, not a counseling session, but being able to tell our story in a deeper way because that will allow students to connect back to us, which is the first part about this virtual community building. I like that. And 
uh, make sure we, we just have people access. I mean, and maybe that, that, that not maybe that'll be the challenges for people to, to go dive into some of these, these resources that will be linked and to take your time to reflect and think about what are some of these things and what, what's it mean for, for you and, and, and your spaces. You know, and I can't help but think about as you're sharing that, you know, um, that student to teacher interaction. And, um, you know, again, that's just a whole flipping of how so many of us come at our teaching approach at the beginning of the year. And I think that, that that's really hard um, for us to go down that route. I know, like, again, referencing my wife, just because I, I get to hear all the things that she does and try to figure it out is, you know, they spent the first uh, two weeks, no content at all, just trying to build you know, those relations. And, and she was trying to figure out how do you balance between like the superficial, like here's this cute little activity versus like middle school kids sniff it out really fast. Oh yeah. Uh, and so, you know, we're just trying to tell her like, I think you just, you just have to be authentic. And I think this comes into the vulnerability of, you don't have to have a perfectly polished graphic design professional look of a presentation on video. Um, you know, it might be you sitting on, on, on your patios. You know, I just made a video for this course where I was swatting away a bee that kept coming by. Like, you know, just being a person is way more important than me having you know, the glitz and glamour all around. And there's nothing wrong with those things. If you're good at that and that's who you are, that's wonderful. But I think we're also spending a lot of energy trying to create these perfect things versus like we're missing out on the opportunity to be authentic, which I think will, will go much longer in our, our relations with our students. Yeah, what is that? Perfection is the enemy of great. Yeah. So like, stop trying to be perfect around this. Be yourself and let your greatness kind of come through. There are so many great teachers all over the state of Iowa, all over these districts, right? Like, and so be, be your great self and don't try to be perfect in a space where everyone's learning. We're in our infancy of figuring out how to do this, right? And so uh, think of yourself as an infant virtual teacher, man. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to spill stuff. You're going to make a mess. And um, people are going to give you grace if you're vulnerable about it. Yeah, I love it. And I think that's, uh, you know, some powerful words to maybe wrap this up on. Um, you've given them um, so much stuff to good things to think about and reflect. I think now that, you know, it's just giving them that processing time now to go, you know, what's my first step going to be, whether that's just some of the ideas we've shared here, um, some of the resources that, that you're, you're uh, kind enough to share as well for them to explore. And so, um, Bob, if, if people want to reach out, I'll have definitely all the links there too. But for those that are listening in, whether watching video or the podcast, where's the best place for them to learn more about your work? I mean, I know you've got you've got an incredible newsletter. I'm going to hype that because it's 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 so good. You've got several books that are out, not just about education, but for parents. And um, I know you've got a web. I mean, you've got a you've got a lot of things happening um, that I think are are so good um, for a lot of variety of ways. And so, where can people go to uh, find more? Yeah, I'm easy to find now. So drrobertdillon.com or I'm at drrobertdillon on Twitter, probably the easiest way, but I'm everywhere else as well. And uh, I, I love to say that I am a forever resource for people. So honestly, if any teacher who hears this or watches this uh, sends me a message, you'll get a response. And I, I love being able to help and share. So uh, if you want me to be a part of your team, I'm on. I love it, and I can definitely vouch uh, um, you've reached out all the time and, and respond to my 7,000 requests when I reach out to you, so <laughs> I, I, I can't tell you how appreciative I am and the educator that that has helped, and so um, for those listening or watching, if you don't have um, Dr. Dillon here in your network, you need to because it's just a valuable resource for a variety of ways, whatever you're looking for. It's, it's, it's always helpful insight um, that, that helps all of us get a little bit better, so um, thank you again so much for okay. taking time to share and uh, appreciate all that you do. Awesome. Thanks.